Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Touchdown. Touchdown. That's five for Chris Brown. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we're talking about the running backs. Um, in case you haven't had a chance to read it yet, there's been a story up uh, at thednvr.com. Basically like 2,500 words with all of my thoughts on the running backs heading into fall camp. Um, I figured that was the best way to do a preview series this year, and then just kind of update it with the new information as we go uh, through fall camp um but yeah we have like a pretty pretty clear picture of at least who the number one running back is from there there's a lot of things that could happen um the more I think of it the more I have figured out what it's going to look like this year um and we're going to dig into that today and kind of what what roles are open um how many touches can we give Jarek Broussard and expect good things to happen all that kind of stuff, and uh, that's the plan for today's podcast. First, though, want to take a quick second to talk about our good friends over with the Colorado XOs. They actually just had a fifth player signed to Major League Rugby. They tried to create like basically a farm team uh, to get guys into Major League Rugby, to get guys into the U.S. national team, and through one season, it went really well. They're taking athletes from other sports, teaching them how to uh, get into rugby and uh like i said they things are going well they're 500 uh, they got five guys into major league rugby so definitely check out the dmvr rugby podcast uh the written content the dmvr.com as well as dmvr rugby on twitter okay so with these running backs it all obviously starts with Jarek broussard um he uh I expect him to be the the preseason All Pac-12 first team running back. Um, there's there's a bunch of different lists that a bunch of different people put out. Um, so far, I think we've only seen him first team. I wanted, I, I almost think Max Borgie might have made it in front of him on one of these. But yeah, for the most part, he is seen right now as if not the best running back in the Pac-12, one of the two best. And if you're saying one of the two best instead of the best, I think that you're kind of crazy based on what we saw last year. Um, obviously, the the quickness 
the agility is what makes him so special. Um, the speed is there, although, you know, he doesn't... Last year, he got caught from behind a couple times, which you don't really expect from a guy like that. I mean, he is a smaller running back with the shorter legs. You do expect more, like, short area quickness than, like, just straight long speed. Um, but it is worth noting that during the season, Carl Durrell said that he's going to get even faster when he takes the knee brace off. And uh, this spring, when we asked, does he look faster with the knee brace off, we were told, yes, yes, he has gotten faster. And so, again, I don't think that it's going to be a huge difference. But when you see him get caught from behind, just barely. Like, it's not like it was him getting run down by linebackers or anything. That that little bit of extra top speed, that might be the difference between him turning some long runs into touchdowns and turning him into, you know, whatever, 50-yard gains or somebody gets you way downfield. So... I do think that we see a better Jarek Broussard this year, which is kind of crazy to say. In terms of like all the other stuff, the, the quickness, the like the ability to kind of like wiggle past guys in the hole, I don't think losing the knee brace is going to make much of a difference at all there. To me, it just is that long speed probably ticks up just a little bit, and uh, that never hurts. So... Those are kind of my thoughts on what we'll see from Jarek Broussard this year. But there are, of course, some questions. Um, things like, you know, he last year was his first healthy season at Colorado. As much as we'd like to just say, yeah, he's going to be back, he's going to be himself, we're going to have him all 12 games, there are injury concerns that come with Jarek Broussard, and those cannot really be ignored. You know will knock on wood throughout this whole thing. But as we kind of get into how much does he play this season, this is kind of like a, a big cloud that just kind of hangs over all of it. Um, is he able to stay healthy for a second straight year after not being healthy for what, like three years in a row? You know, he, he looked good. He ran well. He, he didn't have any injury issues last year, which is pretty impressive considering, like, he's not somebody who's avoiding contact. You know, he isn't somebody who say, oh, well, at least he was able to duck out of bounds there. You know, if he'd stayed in, who knows what happens if that linebacker gets him. No, he, he puts his head down. He creates contact himself. And because we saw him consistently do that over, what, 27 carries a game last year, I'm not too concerned about... You know, just the the ability to hold up on a down to down, game to game basis. You know, it's it's more the same soft tissue stuff. He's torn both those ACLs. Um, does the soft tissue hold up um, for a second straight season? And that and that to me is kind of the biggest question with him. Um, does it does it mean you play him less? I think possibly. You know, like I said, I think it was 27 carries per game last year. That's a lot. That's a big workload. But it's something that you can manage when you only play six games. And, and I mean, you play six games. One of them was after, you know, a three-week break between the end of the regular season and the bowl game. And in those other five games, you had a, a week off there because Arizona State canceled and you weren't able to replace that opponent. So... 
You played five games in six weeks, took three weeks off and played another. That's very different than going 12 games in 13 weeks, which is going to happen this season. Um, Because of that, I do think you see that 27 carries per game number tick down a little bit. I think it's probably more in that 23 carries, 22 carries range. Um, With the good news being that there's plenty of guys who you're willing to give those touches to. I think that when exactly you use Jarek Broussard, that's a that's a conversation. You know, week one, when you're taking on Northern Colorado, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't see the field all that much. You know, that every one of those games, you have to look at as a trap game. You know, you have to win every game. And that means that you go out there, you give them your best punch, and when you're playing a team like Northern Colorado... You expect your best punch to wind up with a you know twenty one zip lead something like that, and and once you do hit a number like that, that's where you probably pull back on Jarek and say you know what this this is a chance to let Alex Fontenot get back into the groove of things after missing last season, um, let Ashad Clayton see what what a significant number of carries feels like in a game and and see whether the vision has really ticked up the way that. I think we've heard that it has. Um, Joe Davis, Dion Smith, Jaylee Stacks. What can those guys provide? You throw them out there and, and see what happens. And so I do think that when you look at this schedule, you know, week one, maybe not so much Jarek. You know, you can probably build a decent lead giving Jarek just those 10 carries or so. And then, you know, let somebody else go in there because... You know, you want to see what they can do, but also because you know it's going to be a long season, you don't want to start wearing them down yet. From there, though, it gets a lot tougher. You know, that's obviously the one game on the schedule you look at and say, that should just be a win. That should be a, that's a game where Colorado is going to be favored by three, four touchdowns. Just go get the job done and get the guys you need to keep healthy out of there. Unless, you know, and for Jarek, you take him out. For some of those other guys, you know, say say Brendan Lewis is the starting quarterback. You might keep him just a, a little bit longer in there because you want to just give him more reps, you know? Get him used to the game before you throw him into that Texas A&M game a week later. Um, Jarek, though, and maybe even, you know, Nate Landman, Carson Wells, some of those guys, they come out early, Um because, again, you know what you have in them. You aren't really worried about developing them in that single game. And you aren't afraid of losing the game at the point where you pull them out. Again, though, from there, those other games, you kind of got to play it by ear. You know, week two, Texas A&M, that's one that could potentially go the other way. That could be one where Colorado's down three touchdowns just a few minutes in. And you say, ah, you know what, when you're down three touchdowns, like five minutes in, say it's that catastrophic, you still keep trying because it's a long football game. Um, A lot of things can change. But around halftime, if you haven't really decreased that lead, that's probably where you say, okay, time time to give the other guys a little bit of run here and make sure that we're saving our best possible punch for teams where that that's going to matter a little bit more down the road um but I do think that in every game you are kind of 
you're you're keeping an eye on Jarek and you're keeping an eye on that workload because you know that 12 games is a lot of football and only having one bye week makes things tough and what's most important is that you have Jarek in every one of those games and if you can find a couple plays to rest him you know you can find a quarter or two at the end of the game to rest him you do that again it's 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 a balancing act of course because there's a lot of factors at play but just knowing that you have one running back who you really want to lean on in every meaningful game you know if if you're going into a game thinking how do we beat this team you know we're a 7 point and 9 point underdog how do we beat this team it all starts offensively with Jarek Broussard. Can we get him going? Can we just feed Jarek and have an offense from that alone? You know, and then work the play action off of it. That kind of stuff. And if you don't have that, the the formula for the season really, really changes. And so I do think that you are looking for not just like a play here or there where you throw Alex Fontenot in, but, you know series here or there when you say hey we can we can give him a little bit of a rest here and and still be just fine so watching how Jarek is used this season is going to be interesting because as much as I'm, I'm sure the coaches want to see Alex Fontenot get some run um, they, they definitely want to see Ashad Clayton get some run and a bunch of those guys fit into that category it all starts and ends with Jarek Broussard and you aren't changing up what you're trying to do with Jarek because of one of those other guys. You know, the first question when it comes to the running back rotations and all that kind of stuff is, what should Jarek do? What do we want out of Jarek? And then you figure everything else out from there. So I don't think that, you know, there's a situation where Jarek is coming off the field because you want to give Ashad Clayton some run. Now, there might be other reasons Jarek is off the field, and so they give Ashad some run. But it really does all start with Jarek. And, you know, that is kind of the first question. You know, you have the injury background. You have all that kind of stuff. How many carries per game are you comfortable giving Jarek? And, you know, it was 27 last year. Is it 22, 23 this year? That'd probably be my guess. But I could see a world where they say, you know what? This is our offense. We need him to be out there doing his thing. And it could be up in that 25 carry range, something like that. Though it would surprise me a little bit, especially because you have that Northern Colorado game that's going to tank the numbers. It could also be a situation where he's getting half the carries. You know, he's down in that 18 range because you're, I mean, it's probably a combination of things. First of all, you have your concerns about Jarek's health and not just his health, but um, just just the general wear and tear that builds up on any running back over the course of a season, um, and then trying to to limit that so that he's at his best in the cold weather games down the stretch. Could also be because Ashad and Alex are giving you stuff that you're you're happy with from that position, and they give you a little flexibility. So those are all my thoughts there, basically. Um, anything I want to add? Ooh, I will add this: uh, Jarek Broussard last year. Averaged 4.4 yards per carry after contact. Imagine that. 4.4 yards per carry. That's a number that a lot of running backs would be happy with. He did that after a defender touched him. 
That's pretty impressive. Um, for a little bit of perspective there, um, LaVisca Chenault's final season in Boulder, um, I think he had like 23 carries, so a decent sample size. He was at 4.22 yards per carry after contact. And that's Visca, who is built a little bit differently than five foot eight, 185-pound Jarek Broussard. Um, I guess if we're talking about Jarek's weight, I will throw this out there too. Earlier this spring, um, Darian Hagen told us that uh, Jarek's weight had slipped down into the 170s by the end of the season. And, you know, that's that's just one more little piece of the equation. You, you run a guy a lot, he's going to drop a couple pounds. And for a guy like Jarek, every pound is important. Um we do have some other weight information to get into, and we're going to get into that with Alex Fontenot here in just a second. But first, we are going to take a quick break and talk about a couple of our friends. First, I'll, I'll plug this again. If you want to see all this stuff, you know everything that I just said is in that preview story, plus there's even more details and more of my thoughts and all that in there. Like I said, we're going through every single position before fall camp starts. Hit the linebackers, hit the running backs. I'm not sure what I'm going to start working on next week. Um, but getting close to football season, content's starting to come out. And uh, once we get to camp, you know, that's when you're really not going to want to miss out on all of our Buffs content. And if you're fans of other sports too, then there's a lot going on there as well, of course, um, including what the, the Broncos camp is about to start. <laughs> the Rockies exist still, or at least that's what Twitter makes me think. Um, Nuggets and Avs are done, but there's plenty of fun off-season stuff. So definitely check out the website. And if you become a member, not only do you get a free shirt, you also get you know big beer for the size of a small beer at the DMVR bar. You get discounts at places, a whole bunch of cool stuff. So uh, definitely uh, look into all of that. Also, I uh, want to give a shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app and they're putting you in the center of the action with some awesome deals. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, they're going to give you $100 in site credits if you bet $1 on any basketball team that's still left in contention. Uh, it's a great offer, obviously. You know, you can take the favorite, somebody who, if you bet a dollar, you'd win less than a dollar. Or you could take... Uh, the, the underdog, somebody you bet a dollar, you might get like $2 or something. But regardless of which team you like, you're going to be getting plenty of value with those $100 in free site credits. Um, so much fun betting on sports. I'm still up in Montana. I can't bet on sports. It sucks. It really sucks. Um, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR when you sign up. And turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you'll claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code DNVR for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, want to uh, remind you guys about it, one of our newest partners, um, Ball 
aerospace and technology. They do all sorts of different stuff over at Ball, including being the world's largest aluminum can and packaging manufacturer. Um, they've been partnered with uh, CU's athletic department. Actually, I wonder who they did exactly. It must be the athletic department because Rick George was in there for that press conference uh, with the CEO of Ball um, announcing that Ball's recyclable aluminum was going to be used for all beverages or maybe it was just beers in uh, the CU stadiums. Um, but they've partnered with them. Obviously, they, uh, they're... Uh, the naming rights sponsor for Ball Arena. Um, very involved in Denver sports, and that's why they came to us. Um, they've been leading global sustainability efforts for decades. In 2018-2019, uh, Ball Aerospace developed image surveillance systems to observe natural resources from space, now, methane, ozone, even land and water use. Um, Ball's Aluminum Stewardship Initi- Initiative certification makes it a leader in the stewardship of aluminum while meeting the highest environmental, ethical, and social standards within their market value chain. By 2030, Ball aims to reduce operational carbon emissions by 55% and across their value chain by 16% from 2017 levels. Um, they're doing a whole bunch of awesome stuff, including adding line capacity to their 400-person plant here in Colorado in Golden. Um, the demand for sustainable aluminum beverage cans is greater than ever. Um, and you know, if there's a, if you've ever drank out of a can, it's probably been from uh, ball aluminum. Um, so a whole bunch of really cool stuff made 101 billion cans last year. Um, it's very sustainable. Um, 75% of all aluminum that's ever been produced is still in use. Um, so if you're looking for a job, Check out uh, the the options with Ball out in Golden. You can check out hashtag work at Ball online. Um, and if you want to apply for a position at their aluminum can plant, text GOLDEN to 77222 or go to com. Search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. Or simply text GOLDEN to 77222. All right. Um, so into some of the other running backs, let's just start by talking about Alex Fontenot. Um, the more I think about it, the more I think just pairing him with Jarek Broussard is kind of a match made in heaven. Um, it's a very thunder and lightning kind of thing. Um, obviously Jarek's the lightning and you might be thinking back to the last time we saw Alex and say, well, he's not really a thunder back. You know, he's not just like a downhill runner, but that's kind of why I like it. Um, He's still a, a zone runner like Jarek. Um, last year, the Buffs ran, what was it? It was probably 60% zone runs and uh, 40% gap runs. Whereas the year before, it was almost, it might have been like 90 10 zone runs. And so there was a bit of a shift. And I'm honestly not sure whether that's, uh, whether that's like intentional. They want to be more diverse, or if it just fit the personnel they have better. You know, you look at some of the running backs. Take a shot, Clayton, for example. He, uh, we've we've heard from coaches that one of the things that he's needed to work on is just his vision. And part of that, you know, it's not because he has bad vision. It's just like the game moves very quickly, and to be patient, and to to see where there's space developing, and go take advantage of it. Some of that stuff, you know, it just takes some time. And we we've heard good reports about that during the spring. 
Worth noting, though, that he carried the ball seven times last year. Only one was on his own run. And, you know, Jaron Mangum, Joe Davis, um, not not nearly that drastic, but pretty close to a 50-50 split, whereas Jarek was, uh, you know, he was, he was running the zone runs. If you bring in Alex, you don't have to really change things up, call plays differently based on the running back that you have in there because they both... They, their best attribute for both of them is their vision, their ability to feel space. And then from there, I think both of them, it's their ability to get by defenders. You know, it looks a little bit different. Um, Alex has this thing where it seems like guys hit him and he just like kind of stumbles forward for like five yards afterward um, because it's always a glancing blow. He never gets hit straight on. Um, you know, he he didn't... I don't know. The the year that he led Colorado in rushing, 2019, he was an interesting runner. Um, because he was kind of zone, like, elusiveness was his one of his best qualities, but he didn't have, like, that pure speed that a guy like Jarek has. Well, now, Alex has put on 10 pounds. Instead of being 195 pounds, he's 205. And for a guy like Alex, maybe that is kind of the difference. Um... You know, I, when you hear about running backs putting on weight, I think the first thing you think of is, you know, what's going to happen to the speed? What's going to happen to the quickness? But again, Alex wasn't really a speed quickness guy. You know, he wasn't somebody who I look at and say, well, he's, what is he if he loses a step? You know, and maybe for him, just being a little bit bigger, a little bit bulkier. Those guys bounce off of him like they did, and he keeps just a little bit more of his balance. You know, he's able to gain just a little bit more. And because of that little bit of extra weight, I kind of do think that he is the perfect complement next to Jarek. Um, and and Ashad Clayton fits that mold very well, too. Um, and I, I think that just saying Alex Fondo is going to be this number two back... You know, that that is where I'm leaning right now. The more I think about it, the more I think it just makes sense for those two to kind of run things this year. And then you probably get one more year with Jarek. And uh, then Ashad kind of fills in for, for Alex. And then Ashad gets one more year. And, you know, maybe Joe Davis is in there. Maybe who, who knows. But that's kind of how, at this point, I see this going. Now, what really matters, of course, is who runs the best during camp because that's going to be who gets the first opportunities on game days. You know, uh, Darian Hagen said this spring, you know, the kind of the same thing he always says, or some form of this, where he says, you know, every game is kind of a roll of the dice. You just throw guys out there, see who's having success, and ride with them. And I do think that that's going to be the strategy again this year. Um, at the same time, though, Jarek's going to be getting the first opportunities. And regardless of how he runs, he's going to be getting plenty of opportunities. And it's really that number two back spot where the who's running the best thing comes into play. Um, unless we get to a point in the season, you know, a few weeks in where you say, okay, yeah, Jarek is really, really good, but so are these other guys. And they are so good that we can't just say, you know, this is the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. We're not taking him off the field. You know? So... We'll see how that shakes out, but it's really about who gets the first opportunities to to get going, and it's going to be Jarek, and I do think it's going to be Alex, just because, again, he last year's the Pac-12 second leading returning rusher. He's a good runner. He's somebody you trust, and um, I think that 
with those 10 more pounds, you know, I just want to see him run. I just want to see what he looks like because I think that there's a real chance that that was kind of what was missing from his game because, again, he wasn't a speed guy. So why was he 195 pounds, you know? Um, so we'll see what that looks like. But I do think the two of them complement each other well with the shot also fitting that mold very well. He's a physical runner. Um, maybe more top end speed than Alex. I think that, you know, I would expect that from a shot probably. Um, so yeah, those are some thoughts on that stuff. Okay. Here's where we're going to go next. Um, what role is open? You know, I think that Jarek is kind of your every down back. He's the guy who goes out there on any given play just because he's the best. Now there's times where he subs off and somebody goes in for him. But in terms of just like it's second and seven, you're, uh, it's the second quarter in a close game, you know, whatever. Jarek's the guy that you're running out there. Because he's just your running back. Um, but there are other situations in the game. You know, and I think the the biggest question right now is who's going to be your goal line guy? Or short yardage guy, whatever you want to call him. Because last year it was Jaron Mangum. Now, you know, I, I wrote a whole section in uh, the, the piece on the website saying like, you know, who is going to take Jaron Mangum's role this year? Which which feels like a weird question to ask because there are so many running backs that the loss of Jaron Mangum isn't something that I'm really concerned about at all. Um, he's at UCF now, by the way. But at the same time, whenever they got down to the goal line, it was Jaron who did a lot of the work. Um, and in some other short yarded situations, well, and then, you know, there was some more normal situations where he was also out there, but I think that the reason this is such a big question is because Jarek doesn't fit that mold. Now he is still a really good running back. And if you put him out there, he's going to do just fine. But if you're finding situations where, you know, maybe you want to take Jarek off the field, this could be one, I think because it's probably not him at his best. You know, the the quickness, the speed, it just doesn't play so much when everything's packed in like it is when you're inside the 5-yard line. Again, I think he'd be just fine. I think you can make the argument that because that area of the field is so important, that you should just put your best guy out there even if he's only like marginally better even though you might be sacrificing reps in other situations. Like like the second and seven and round midfield whatever, um, where he would have more of an advantage I think over the other running backs. But I still do think that this is going to be a job that's up for grabs. I think that whenever there's a job that's up for grabs in this backfield, you look to Alex Fontenot because he is proven because he was a good runner for Colorado, um, and you know that that ten pounds he put on doesn't hurt in this area. Um, it could be though that Ashad really shines here because he got some of these reps last year. Um, there was the, there was the, oh, which game was that? Was it Stanford where he got his first? I don't think it was that early in the season, but, but the point is there was a game where he had like four carries for 21 yards. Um, one of the carries was 17 yards. 
And so among the other three carries, there were four yards, and he picked up two touchdowns in there because he was getting some of that goal line work. Again, that's probably part of the reason those numbers from last year for him skew so far toward the gap and less toward the zone just because when you're down by the goal line, you run more gap stuff because you want to be pulling blockers from one side to the other side and creating a numbers advantage when everything is so packed in. So, I think there's a couple things at play here. First of all, you look at a shot and say, that is a big, strong runner. You want him moving downhill, and you expect good things, even when he does like reach contact. Do you expect those 4.4 yards per carry after contact? Maybe not, but that's just an absurd number. Um, on top of that, they've used him running those gap runs before, and I think that, you know, we'll see what the mix looks like this year. I guess that, what was it, it's like 60-40 last year. I bet that moves toward like 70-30 this year just because you, you want to play the strengths of your runners and you're getting Alex Fontenot back. But of that 30% where you're running gap, a lot of it's going to be down by the goal line. And, um... You know, that's that's something that they trusted Ashad to do last year, and you'd have to think they'd be willing to trust him to do again this year. Um, so I do think that those are kind of the two big candidates, which, you know, isn't a surprise. They're your, your second, maybe, I'm honestly, maybe your most proven runner because of just the sample size in Alex Fontenot. I don't think you can say that with Jarek there, though. And then... Uh, potentially your most talented runner, Rashad Clayton. So it's no surprise that those are the guys that you're looking to. Um, but I do think that those are the first two that you look to in those situations. Um, but again, we'll we'll see who winds up winning this job. From there, Jaylee Stacks. I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of him this year. I think what he got like three or four snaps last year all at fullback in those goal line situations. That's probably how they use him. I do think that he'll probably be out there um, in the short yard situations, but, you know, as a fullback. And who knows? You know, that that could be Brady Russell who moves into fullback there and they put somebody else at tight end, one of these big blocking tight ends. Um, but there is a real chance, I think, that Jay Lee does win this job. I don't think it'll happen. It's probably 10%. Um, but... He's a good, strong runner. Darian Hagen had a lot of good things to say about him. You know, saying, like, when he runs behind his pads, nobody wants to get in the way. And when you're that kind of runner, this is a situation where you can shine. With him, though, I... Well, we'll take a break. We'll get into the receiving back stuff. Um, this will be a, a really quick break. Um, talk about Manscaped. We uh we here at DMVR love Manscaped. So many great products. Um, I mean, you you really can't go wrong with any of them. Um, the crop preserver. It's a ball deodorant. You just slap it on basically everywhere, and it 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 works. Um, when you're out and about all summer, whether you're like golfing, going to the lake, or hiking, or whatever, I can't imagine not having that anymore like it like to me it feels the same as just like normal deodorant like imagine if you just one day for the first time like right now somebody said like hey check out this deodorant like you don't have to smell like that you don't have to get that sweaty you'd just be like wait what i've been living my whole life without this and it is literally the exact same feeling um with manscaped 
um, and they're their crop preserver. It's it's a product that you get, and you're just like, how did I live without this? They've got so many other ones: the Crop Reviver, um, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0 is kind of like the the big thing. Um, that Performance Package 4.0 is going to come with all of those, plus performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies. They've got a bunch of different uh, packages that you can check out over at manscaped.com. And make sure that when you order, you use the code DNVR because you will get 20% off and free shipping. So definitely go and check that all out. Okay. Um, So let's get back to Jaily Stacks because this is like a good way to transition to some other stuff. The other thing that Darian Hagen said about him is that he's going to do a lot of different things for us. Um, I think he also said, like, he might only get a couple of carries a game, but he's going to do a lot of different things for us. What are those different things? And here's what I'll say. I saw him during one of those spring scrimmages catch a little swing pass um, and, you know, just kind of, like, dance past one defender and put his shoulder down and just bury another defender. I think that as a third down back, there might be something there. Um, I think that when you look at a guy like Jaylee Stacks, what you're really hoping to get is basically like that that Kyle Juszczyk type. Um, a fullback, but a fullback who, if he gets the ball in his hands, you're like, yeah, good things are going to happen. And because of that, he kind of fits that third down back role because, again, there's two parts to being a third down back. First, you got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield and go make a play and do that kind of stuff, which Jaylee can in a way that I'm not sure people would expect him to be able to. And second, you've got to be able to protect the quarterback. I dug through a whole bunch of numbers. I included some of them in the story, but it's really tough to separate who was good in um, pass protection last year among running backs the numbers would say Joe Davis was the worst um, just because he allowed three pressures. At the same time, he was out there significantly more than anybody else. And that's it's probably just a sample size thing. Um, Alex Fontenot solid the year before, though. Alex Fontenot solid the year before. With Jay Lee, again, he is a blocker. He can do that stuff. And when you have that part solidified, especially, you know, if say it's JT Shroud at quarterback it becomes even more enticing because JT's the kind of guy who, you know, he, he's mobile, but not nearly as mobile as Brendan Lewis is, and he's going to be spending a lot more time in the pocket. And when your quarterback's spending more time in the pocket, it's more important to protect that pocket um, using that running back. Um, so I do think that that kind of does play a part here. Um, Jay Lee, though, an interesting talent, and to be honest, he's probably still a year away. He was in his first year on campus last year. Um, so I don't expect him to have much of a role this season. Next year, though, I'll be kind of driving the hype train on Jay Lee Stacks. Going into camp, though, it's it's certainly a name worth knowing um, because there is a, a path for him to uh, to contribute this year, I think. Um, although I do think it's more likely it takes another season. Um, in terms of the other stuff with that third down back, I don't think it's going to be Jarek. I think that 
while you look at Jarek and say, okay, he's quick, he's shifty, if he gets the ball um, in the flat, he can make guys miss and go make a play, that's all true. But if you're really concerned about limiting limiting how many reps he gets, and I mean, when I say limiting the reps, I don't mean like keeping him on a snap count, really. I just mean like treating him like anybody else would treat their running back one and trying not to run him in the ground. And when you're trying not to run him into the ground, whenever you have him on the field, you want to make sure that you're kind of maximizing what you're getting out of him. Um, and, and having him just run a little swing route or having him go pick up linebackers and pass protection, it doesn't feel like the best use of Jarek in the snaps that you're going to get him or get him on the field. So for that reason, even though in some ways he does kind of fit the mold as the shifty little Austin Eckler type, I think that it's easy to get too cute. And what you want from Jarek is to give him the ball and let him cook. And you can kind of do that, throwing those little passes out to the flat, but he's your third, fourth option. And then when he does get it, you know, is the ball on target? How much space does he really have? Does he have a drop here or there? Um, so certainly if you put him out there, you're not going to be disappointed. It's Jarek Broussard. But is that the best use of him? Similar to that goal line conversation I'm not so sure it is, and because of that, I think that, like I was saying earlier, he's kind of just your running back. But when you get into the situational stuff, you might throw somebody out there instead, um, because those are the snaps you want to you want to give him a little bit of a break. That's that'd be my first thought if if I were Darren Cheverini at least. Again. Whenever it comes to this stuff, the the other roles that are available in this backfield, you look to Alex Fontenot first. Like I said, he was solid in pass protection before. I think he's somebody who can make people miss in space. You know, this is maybe where you don't like the extra 10 pounds quite as much. But at the same time, plenty of those good running backs who catch the ball out of the backfield aren't like the fastest guys and I think that's kind of a misconception, kind of like Jaylee Stacks. You know, he can make a guy miss. He might have the top end speed, but he's going to be able to make something happen just because he is a big, strong guy who runs behind his pads. Um, Alex, though, is where you start um, looking. Joe Davis, I'm not sure he quite fits the mold. Figuring out where Joe Davis fits in here is maybe the toughest part um, because it, he's a good running back. But he's behind Jarek, he's behind Alex, and he's competing with a shot. So, where does he fit in? And he isn't like your power back mold. He isn't really the receiving back mold. He's just kind of another guy who's going to rotate in there, and it might pop. It could turn out to be that he is better than Alex this season and is their second best running back. And the way that the coaches talk about him... They hype him up just like they do the other guys, and and then you kind of hit that separation. You know, there's I think kind of a top four in the coach's mind, um, and maybe even it's it's a top one in Jarek, and then you've got Ashad, Alex, and Joe right there after him. Um, he will be getting touches. I feel confident saying that, but how exactly he fits in, I'm not so sure. So definitely something to watch there. Um. Anything else on these running backs? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, 
it's going to be competitive, but Jarek is kind of the, the clear number one. And a lot of the competition is going to be, again, it's, I kind of want to call it for the scraps after Jarek, but they aren't quite scraps. You know, I, I do think that there's going to be room for a true second running back or, you know, a few guys who kind of piece together to, to fit into that role. Um, and it'll be fun to see how all this shakes out. We'll uh, be getting the reports all during fall camp, starting in about a month. And uh, I, for one, am very excited for that. Uh, that's going to do it for today, and I'll see you guys on Monday.